time, weather, and... This is Lockdown Land. Hi, thanks for downloading Lockdown Land, the podcast that's here to help you keep busy. Now, in this episode, we're talking about starting to play Dungeons and Dragons or kind of making up your own role playing game at home. And we talk to Dylan from the dndgeek.co.uk. But before we get started, I quickly want to ask for your support. Now, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. That would be really, really useful. Uh, you can also subscribe as well in your podcast app. You can get new episodes automatically downloaded. And if you're really, really really enjoy the episode you can buy me a coffee on the website it's lockdownland.com basically helps keep the podcast ad free and supplies me with coffee as well which is good Uh, head over to lockdownland.com so dungeons and dragons right it's been a long time since i've played so i chatted to dylan from the dndgeek.co.uk about how to get started now you can find dylan on twitter at dnd underscore geek or on the web at the dndgeek.co.uk and the first question i asked is whether we can still play dungeons and dragons without owning all the books and all the boards and all those fancy multi-sided dice absolutely so if you don't have any of the books and you do want to get into them, most of the information is available online. But as a game that occurs mostly in the imagination anyway, you can get away with having little to none of the actual books or even the pen and paper um, and those sort of things if you just have the basics. As far as dice go, there's also a few dozen online dice rollers as well as apps for phones that you can download specifically right so so you can actually download an app which gives you the fancy dice yeah yeah just search like dice roller or something um dnd dice roller on the iStore or app store or whatever and you get some fairly basic ones that are just text and they give you an output but you also get fairly fancy ones if your phone can handle it where you can actually shake your phone and it shakes whatever dice you've told it to roll that sounds like a lot of fun, actually, that does, yeah. So so what's the main difference between sort of like a normal set of dice and and some proper role-playing dice? Is there a huge difference? Like, most people think of normal dice and you just get the traditional Monopoly dice, those six-sided uh, ones with the pips. And with D&D dice, there's actually a lot of dice that have different amounts of sides and you need... There's seven basic ones that you typically need for a D&D game. So there's a four-sided dice, six-sided, eight-sided, ten-sided, and a 12 and 20 sided dice i personally actually own a hundred sided dice that are referred to as the wow. death star crikey yeah i can i can see why they'd call it that <laughs> yeah Th- that must be an incredible little thing i mean is it big is it small is it um it's slightly over an inch and a half in diameter i'd say and it has a hundred sides yeah it's even at that side each side is so small it actually took me quite a while to learn how to read it accurately it lands cocked so often unless you give it a perfect rolling space yeah i'm gonna google that later and take a look at that because that sounds absolutely amazing so if if we don't want to play it with the with the six-sided, eight-sided, seven-sided, all the different dice, can we still play it with some normal Monopoly dice? It would take a bit of pro- improvisation. Traditionally, most things you do in D&D requires a 20-sided dice. Everything's like a 5% chance of getting the next step up. But my first time ever playing, I actually used a deck of cards, and I just assigned different cards to have different values. 
with normal six-sided dice, I suppose you could roll three or four of them and get like an 18 roll or a 24 roll. It would have roughly the same effect. And then instead of a natural one, if you get all four ones on your six-sided dice, that could work. So what are we actually rolling the dice for at the end of the day? Is it like how many moves we make is it about how much how much damage we take in a battle what are we actually doing with the dice so a character typically has preset like how good they are at something that they add or subtract to the dice but anytime they want to use any skill that they have whether it's attacking with a broadsword or um something actually gambling in game ironically so dice rolling dice or if you wanted to search for traps or pick someone's pocket if you're a rogue if a magician's trying to learn a new spell they might use their intelligence and the d20 roll in almost all instances relates to how well you execute a task so if you roll a d20 to jump over a gap a natural 20 could mean that you're just so lucky and so skillful that you jump a very long distance, whereas a natural one would mean something could go horribly wrong and you could, before you've even left the ground, st- slip and fall. I've got you. So the dice kind of like says how you're going to gonna perform some sort of task. It could be attacking something, it could be learning something, it could be, ju- as you say, jumping over something. And depending on the dice roll, depends on how well you do it. Absolutely, yeah. So... The other dice actually take very much a backseat. Your d4s, d6s, d8s only really have two functions, which is to determine how many hit points um, a character can have based on their class. So a burly fighter type might get a d10 or a d12 every time they level up, whereas your more flimsy characters like your wizards would get a d4 or a d6. A dungeon master. Let's talk about a a dungeon master quick, because... There has to be somebody in charge of the game. How do you choose them? What do they do? And do you have to have one? Having one is fairly necessary. There are certain role-playing systems that exist that are more democratically based storytelling, but they're quite technical and advanced. Um, I haven't even had much of a look at them myself. But having a DM, yeah, it's very useful to have one person that sort of makes sure you're driving everything along. Are they like the referee as such? That's one of their roles. So the DM controls many aspects of things. One of the things is to educate the rules of the game. Whichever edition of D&D you're playing or any other role-playing game even, they all have certain rules and when people aren't sure of the rules, it's their job to teach the newer players. Also, when there's a dispute about their rules, they're the ones that have the final say. Um, Especially in games where you have players actually going against each other and a ruling going one way or another actually benefits one person or another. Whereas your more cooperative games, the rule of cool is often the way to go. The other roles of a DM are also to manage your players to an extent. If someone's not having a good time playing the game for any reason, they're usually the one who it falls to to see if they can do anything about it. So, so they're, kind of, they're kind of like, they're a bit like the referee, a little bit like 
you know, looking after the players, looking after the game and just keeping everything flowing, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, especially with newer players, they guide the players as well as the characters in game uh, more than anything else. But yeah, more, they also typically create the worlds that the characters explore. Like the indie is a game of exploring these fantastic lands and mystery and threats and danger. And if everyone knows what's going on it's very predictable so any surprises that come to the table usually come from the dn side a lot less fun exploring something you already know your whole way around but if you're going into this new world and you don't know what's going to happen what's around that corner what's on the other side of that door that it adds a very thick element of mystery to the game so that so a dungeon master really needs a good imagination and and to be able to sort of like keep keep the the game exciting i suppose in a way so suddenly a crevice appears and everybody's got to try and jump over it it's probably one of the most important aspects of dming is to be able to think on your feet especially a lot of DMs will prepare very large sections of the world at a time and they'll have all these ideas and all these situations ready for certain responses the players might make and then any DM who's been at it for a while knows players have this amazing talent of completely dismantling and circumventing those plans. So adaptation and imagination go very hand in hand together there. Let's talk a little bit about characters. I mean, I know there's a million and one characters that you can you can make up your own characters at the end of the day, I suppose. But when we create our characters, what do we need to think about? I noticed on your website, which is um, the dndgeek.co.uk, there's a character generator to, for names and things, which is great. So, h- how much detail do we have to have to work work on on creating characters? It's very much depending on the playstyle of the group you're with, but you can go relatively simple. You do get people who I play a fighter, I swing a sword, but especially with fifth ed being a lot more flexible in that regard more and more people are making characters that are very unique very interesting that have had a lot of thought put into like their backstories their histories their personalities we've my fiance has actually written a series on our site specifically for noobs that answers all of the questions but there's so much to think about when choosing your race do you want to play an orc do you want to play an elf why do you want to play that race what has being of that race affected you over your lifetime before you even adventured why are you adventuring um what's your backstory what led you to leave your home and explore the world are you a wizard or a fighter or a thief and how did you end up like that why did you end up that way has being that thing changed your life in any unexpected ways and before you even think about what is tactically, hmm, wizards are good at long-range combat, there's so much just to why your character is who they are that can be thought about for the really immersive games. So it's kind of like down to your imagination. You, you can literally build an entire character back backstory if you want to uh, and go into a huge amounts of detail and and almost become these characters it sounds fascinating actually absolutely yeah um i've also had a very high incidence of players being uh brought in bringing in characters or creating characters that are heavily based on anime or something like that where they have a character they like the idea of and 
they try and play something quite similar. That's really that's really interesting. You could, so you could you could almost, in a way, bring characters in from other medium, like you say, anime or maybe movies, films, things like that. You could bring characters into your game. Absolutely. I think the way most people think of D&D is heavily inspired by Tolkien's works, uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. But especially in, with role-playing in general, you can get from just about anywhere. I'm actually currently running a Star Wars-based campaign, which is very much just the 3.5 rules with lightsabers that sounds a lot of fun actually yeah i could i could get into that with with the with the death star dice uh, <laughs> yeah it's it's made one or two appearances i would imagine now when we look at things like power and magic levels and the agility of characters and the strength of characters and things like that how do we go about setting this right at the beginning of a game so we know how strong or powerful a, a character is from the start yeah so there's three main methods of generating your core attributes so every character's character sheet has a slot for their strength dexterity constitution intelligence wisdom and charisma and those are sort of like the base things that everything else sort of spreads out from so there's a point by method that you see often in games there's a standard array of just here are some numbers put them there and there's also a roll method where you roll 46 that's four six-sided dice and then ignore the lowest one and you take that number and just choose which of those attributes you want to put it to and you do that six times or you do six and then you put the numbers where you want them and Based on that number, it works out a modifier that's somewhere between minus three and plus five, depending on how good, how strong or weak or how uh, clumsy or agile you are or how foolish or intelligent you might be. And everything sort of bases off that. So all the skills that increase as you level up, like your acrobatic skill, your ability to pick pockets, are all modified by that and whether or not your character type so if the class you're playing has a proficiency in that skill so even if you've never learned how to pickpockets before in your life if you're just a very agile person you're naturally a bit better than at that so we've got our characters we know how strong they are we know what they're doing walk through a basic move of a DD game or a role-playing game a very basic right newbie at the beginning simple move for one person where something happens how how would it kind of work out any time anything would happen it usually happens either within initiative or out of initiative which is in very basic terms whether it's in combat or not so driving the story along i might inform the players that they're in a tavern that somebody has walked up to them and asked them a question they would just decide how they respond or not if the group's thief decides i want to steal something out of the person at the bar's uh, coin purse i would tell them to roll sleight of hand they would just say i'd like to rob that per or i would like to pickpocket that person and i would say okay cool then roll stealth to see if they notice you and sleight of hand to see if you successfully get your coins and they would roll both of those tell me the results and based on how difficult that those tasks would be i would tell them success or fail in combat's a very different sort of setup that's your inside initiative so 
I would tell my players, okay, guys, roll initiative, and they would know that they're now in danger. They would tell me how well they do, and that would determine turn order, and I would secretly roll initiative for whatever's attacking them. So if a pack of lizard men were attacking them, for example, I could have them move as a group or individually, and each person has their actual turn. Inside that turn, there's four different things you can do. So you have your movement, so however much you can move, you can get up if you've been knocked down and spend half your movement doing that, or just move however many spaces around. You have your action, which is any normal thing you could do. So you can attack, you can hide, you can dash and try and get double your movement out. You can look around and see if you see anything that you haven't already just noticed by being there. You can defend yourself or you can hold your action. It's just basically, I'm going to watch that person for when they do that. And then that's when I'm going to respond. You also get your bonus action, which is basically um, monks, for example, have a move called Flurry of Blows, which allows them to just attack three or four times as much as most people would normally attack. But they can only do that if they're already attacking. So they'd spend the action to attack once or twice. And then their flurry of blows to just keep this entire combo going and exert themselves in doing so. Rogues have a lot of movement-based things. So instead of just having them as standard actions, they can also hide as their bonus action. So they can hide, attack, move around in the same fight. So they're very mobile. Barbarians have this uh, ability called Rage, where they pretty much work themselves into a frenzy of murder. You also get a reaction, which is your one turn per turn out of your actual round. So these will be your responses to someone else doing something. If someone moves out of your space, they make themselves vulnerable, and that provokes a thing called an attack of opportunity, which is a free strike, which is your one reaction a turn. Wizards have a lot of spells like counter spell to counter someone else's spell or shield to defend themselves. And these are actions that could only happen as a response to someone else doing something. Okay, so if, if we're going to set something up and we're complete newbies and we, we want to try and get into this and spend a little bit of time during our lockdown, create, you know, take over the dining room table sort of thing and let's, let's create some massive game which is going to last weeks and weeks. Um, where can we go online to get sort of inspiration for settings and characters and lands and monsters and all these sorts of things? Is there anywhere we can go? Absolutely. There are a lot of communities on social media that are great for it. A few online streams on on Twitch and YouTube that you can actually see people play online, which are very good watching. But as far as getting your own ideas is concerned, for characters, I constantly uh, crawling on Pinterest and DeviantArt. You mentioned Pinterest. That's really, really you. I, I'd never have thought of Pinterest to go for ideas on characters yeah yeah um so pinterest um if you want to use that to get a specific kind of image i actually suggest having a dummy account just for that thing because it very quickly learns what kind of thing you're looking for and then suddenly that's all you see so pinterest and deviant arts are basically the artist's havens uh reddit is an absolute haven for character settings and maps and very obscure story ideas. Yeah, I can imagine there's an awful lot. I'd imagine there's an enormous D&D &D 
um, community on Reddit? There's actually several. So there's r slash D&D, there's r slash DMs, there's r slash world building, which is one of my personal favorites. There's a lot of character art that also makes its way on there. And the nice thing with Reddit is the art usually comes with stories behind it and people throwing ideas around. There's also a couple of other forums as well that, apart from Reddit, I know the Giants in the Playground one is very good for obscure rulings. Someone uses a spell in a strange way, or does this rule mean I can do this strange thing if I also use this rule uh, kind of questions. This has been absolutely fascinating. It's been a long, long time since I've played Dungeons and Dragons. I was probably 15, which was couple of years ago um and your website the dndgeek.co.uk there's loads and loads of information on there you mentioned there's a newbie post to 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 help newbies along yeah so we have a series that's currently in progress that we're writing and it's designed to answer all the questions from i'm kind of interested in dnd should i really get into it what would be involved how do i get started how do i start thinking about my character The Player's Handbook has a whole lot of chapters that are, here are your options, and we try to really go into why are these options the way they are, and why would they be interesting to you, and how can you take them from being just, I am a fighter, to why am I a fighter, or how did I become a fighter, what is it like living as an elf living off in the forests, or in the cities, or really get players to ask those questions and get as much as they can out of the game, even when they're really new at it. So where can we find you, Dylan, on social website? Fire off all your all your tags. We have the dndgeek.co.uk on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, with those exact handles. We also have our Twitter account, the DND Geek. And yeah, we're looking at possibly getting into the podcast space or YouTube down the line, but currently that's just in a holding pattern. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Brilliant. Thanks, Dylan. Appreciate your time. Likewise. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode and it's inspired you to get going with a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, It would be great if you could share this episode on social media, on your Twitter, your Facebook, wherever you are. And you can also subscribe as well for free on your favourite podcast app. It it means that latest episodes just automatically download to your phone or or whatever it is you you listen on. Uh, If you've really enjoyed the episode, uh, you can buy me a coffee on the website. Head over to lockdownland.com hit the link at the top of the page says buy me a coffee much appreciated helps keep the podcast ad free and also buys me coffee as well so head over to the website lockdownland.com thanks for listening